Well, hello and welcome to this week's Tez uh, podcast, brought to you by a magazine that The Sun described as a snooty school magazine this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fame at last. Um, I'm Martin George. I'm joined by Ed Dorrell. Hi, Ed. Hello, hello. Will Stewart. Hi, Will. Hello. And Helen Amass. Hello, Helen. Hi. Um, so, as usual, we'll have a chat about a couple of the news stories this week and a couple of bits from uh, the magazine that's come out today. Um, I think two news stories, one that got a lot of publicity one that didn't get quite as much, but the other one's probably the most important. Um, let's start off with times tables tests, though. Um, so the government has announced uh, it will be piloting these times table checks for, I think, year four students, isn't it? Yes. Um, and it um, says that this will be able to a five-minute on-screen test, but nevertheless, it's been quite controversial. Um, Ed, What's eight times nine? <laughs> <laughs> it's not TS policy 72? to answer those questions. <laughs> 72, I wrote it down, yes. God, that was kind of quick onto that, I'm quite pleased. Yeah, what do you make of it? I mean, it's, um, it, I've not seen anyone say times tables don't matter, but the idea of having this test really has divided opinion. I think there's been a few things. It has divided opinion. I think the government's played it fairly cutely, actually, for what it is. Give, making it that five-minute on-screen test. I mean, you know, they've reduced it down to a kind of, I guess, the bare minimum it can be. Yeah. And as a result, some of the pushback has been more muted, I think, perhaps, than you might have expected. I mean, the unions, don't get me wrong, the unions have shouted, people, are, people aren't happy. Yeah. But I, I, I just think there's been, it's kind of softened the blow slightly in terms of political machinations. I think, on paper, I mean, it does look, it lo- looks fairly reasonable the way the government have pitched it because yeah. it's not supposed to be including Ofsted judgments. It is five minutes. You know, how 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 much cramming can you do for that? Mm. But I still think it... So it's maybe harder for the general public to understand, but I still think it pushes teachers' buttons in the wrong way because times tables equals, you know, is a, in people's heads makes you think rote learning. Why are you taking us back to Victorian times? And it's another test yeah. imposed, imposed from above. Yeah, you know, after spag and phonics, and keeps those one sats, and keeps those two sats, and blah 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 blah. You know, <coughs> do they need another one? And ultimately, you know, if schools are going to be held to account by it, then the pressure won't be internalised by the teachers; it will be felt by the kids. You know, and more pressure. Yeah, is it sort of about teaching to the test? Though, because this is almost one where the government it, it literally wants teaching to the test. You know, there are a yes. set number of questions, and the kids have got to learn the questions off by heart and learn the answers off by heart. Ninety-seven point eight percent of primaries will teach science tables. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing that annoys them, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's like it's on a national curriculum. Just trust us to teach yeah. it. Yeah, but and it's not like you can do well in a key stage two sat without maths without the science tables. Mm. So you know, but from the government's point of view, they say trust us, but you know five minutes what have you got to hide if, if they if they all know it then, then what's the problem yeah i mean it's, it, the weird thing to me seemed to be on the one hand the government saying it's not high stakes it's not about accountability um and so you almost think why do it then um so do you think either it's going to become an accountability measure later or do you think it's it's more a political message about traditional values and you know appealing to the sort of daily mail Personally, I, I think the truth is that is that some people within government don't trust teachers. I think a lot of I think people, some people within the DfE still do think there's a lot of trendy teaching from the seventies and that these kind of things don't Nick don't, thinks, don't right? yeah, yeah. Don't, and don't get taught. So it is a lack of trust. Uh, yeah. And one yeah. final point on that, you know, Nick Gibbs kind of spring in his step was made into a huge leap 
by the evidence, inverted commas, that he perceived from the Pearls test that proved to him that he was right to introduce the phonics check. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, he feels like he made an intervention at year one. Uh, intervention in a campaign yeah. and, and it was his thing. Uh, and you know, know and, 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 you know, the sausage factory, out comes the results of Pearls. England shoots up the table, goes up the table, mm. thus proving that he was right. Let's do times table tests. He thinks, you know, the same result will take place. Yeah. And there's a lot of people on the right who think he's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I still <laughs> probably uh, annoy teachers out there by saying this, but I still find it a harder, a slightly harder thing to get worked up about it from education's point of view because it's not like okay, even if you did teach the test, it, I mean, it is quite an important thing to be able to do times tables, isn't it? Mm. I suppose the danger is if if schools end up assessing about it and they do it to they do it and crowd other things out but, but I don't know they, 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 and the fact is that 99% of schools will be teaching yeah and yeah. it's on the national so, curriculum so anyway it's not going to be crowding out anything because it's already been taught yeah. Yeah. so it's almost, almost a non-story yeah. yeah. now the other story I mean that got massive coverage on the front page of national papers <laughs> the other one this week that didn't but I think it's more significant is Ed you wrote a blog about this about teacher recruitment and some tweaks the government are making to try and get more teachers or more people into the profession and training. Um, you sound like you don't think it's it's enough, really. I feel like they're rearranging deck chairs really at the last moment. I mean, you look at the numbers now coming out, and I've seen some internal ones here. You know, it is terrible. Mm. I mean, the state of teacher recruitment now is absolutely terrible. And if the government thinks these two tweaks asking ITT providers to lower the bar slightly or <coughs> allowing teachers to retake um, the entry tests are going to make are going to move the dial as they say mm. in any significant way to have an impact on the state of things then I think they're having a laugh it does it does show it does show that they want that they want to show finally that they're taking it seriously doesn't it I mean it it yeah. kind of it reeks of like a scene from the thick of it or something doesn't it like <laughs> they, they say oh you know we've come across a problem quick think of something that that looks like we can make a difference mm. and and they you know i mean they might make a little bit of difference but i think there are things that well i don't know about the first one but certainly the second one people have been lobbying for for ages and it's like okay bring it in it looks it's a n nice neat little story but don't know. I think there's a few thousand teachers who have failed that test, who potential trainees who have failed that test. So maybe it will make a bit of a difference, but um, feels like a little, a little bit, and it's definitely very late, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, I mean, three, four, five years ago, yeah. people were warning about this. Yeah. Three years ago, our old colleague Richard Vaughan interviewed um, Nick Gibb and asked him about it, and he refused to admit it was a crisis. I mean, we've known about this for a long time, yeah. and the government has been doing an ostrich impression, yeah. you know just ignoring it. I mean, the one thing on your, your piece online, Ed, you were saying, was you thought that these... It's actually the leader. That's what we said. The, the leader. leader the leader in the magazine. magazine. Yeah. Okay, stand corrected. <laughs> um, but you were saying that, that these two tweaks though, have come out since Damien Hines replaced Justin Greening. Yeah, that's pure supposition, to be clear. I mean, do you think there might be a chance that actually the government, without losing face, there could be more to come to try and address teacher recruitment now? I, I think you might well see more. Mm. But, I mean, I, like I said, I, I just worry that whatever they do almost it's too late I mean it, the, the time the time scale it will take to recruit teachers and then to get them into the classroom you're already looking at 18 months two years you know yep. the, the, the bulge in pupils in um, secondary schools is happening right now yep. the shortage of teaching 
shortages of teachers is happening right now. So even if they made a huge impact by making these changes, you're still looking at two years. Well, I mean, I guess the other question is what 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 could they do without sounding defeatist about it? I mean, a, a lot of these things, a lot of the problems are kind of down to the economy and yeah. and they're cyclical. And then, and well, they then, could have made these well, changes three years ago. They could have, yeah, they could have done that. But I mean, I guess a lot of it is pay. Yeah, so they're fairly hamstrung the there. You know, it, it got easier when when pay was relatively higher than it is yeah. now. Well, there's two ways of doing it, aren't there? As they say, you increase pay. One other one other option within the kind of paying conditions thing, which I think would be a big win, would be to start um, eroding people's student debt. Mm. Um, for every year you're in teaching, they take another chunk out of your debt. Yeah. Um, let's face it, most of these teachers, a lot of these teachers, aren't ever going to earn significant amounts of money enough to actually say, pay off the debt. Then in the, the first government place. will never give it, so, get it back anyway. So, so, so yeah. you know, that's a great marketing story. And they're already moving in that direction for certain subjects in certain parts yeah. of the country, aren't they? And so. it is worth noting, actually, so this, this is a bit rambly, but it is worth noting that that 29% figure, ITT recruitment, down 29% that came out last year, not last week, um, this is the cohort, the first cohort who would have had three years of £9,000 nine a year. Oh. So they're looking at another year of more debt. Mm. I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. So if you remove that debt, I think that's a big sum. Yeah. Um, should we move on to, to a couple of a couple more things in the magazine? Um, one is the um, sort of the opener, which is something I've written about uh, a Whitehall turf war between Ofsted and the Department for Education, and it's all about who inspects our schools. Um, I mean, really briefly, um, regional schools commissioners have been in place for three or four years now. They send education advisors to schools to see how they're doing. Some schools think that's like an inspection when you've still got the real, actual Ofsted inspectors going in, inspecting schools. So concerns about overlap between these organisations and, more importantly, more workload and stress and contradictory advice, even, for schools and school leaders. Um, what do you guys make of this? The, well, I mean, the thing that came across in what you wrote, I think, and, and what I think people might find interesting and possibly infuriating is, is, that, is that this just came out of a kind of fairly petty power play that, that, that the department were, were fed up with Ofsted so they set up RSCs as this big separate power and because of that it's got this huge duplication that they finally realised is costing too much money yeah. but then schools on the ground suffer because of that and I, I think it's a it's a it's an illustration of how policy can, can really mess things up on the ground for fairly spurious reasons yeah I mean, so, I mean it could dates back to that era when Michael uh, Michael Wilshaw was head of Ofsted, he was becoming more critical of you know, the government's uh, academies programme and sounding off and all sorts of things. He was and winding was, them up, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so basically the idea was to you know, get an alternative voice, somebody else who could be doing some of this work and undercut Ofsted or, or challenge Ofsted. Yeah, absolutely right. And that's the way they presented him. And they, and when, it, when it was first announced that he was getting the big job. What, to David, David Carter? Carter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so built definitely. him up as an alternative power. Yeah. He's being PR'd all over the place, you know, doing interviews, that kind of thing. Which has allowed us to run 
one of the, <laughs> one of the, the, the best pictures I've ever seen in TS <laughs> of David Carter having a sword fight with Amanda Spielman. <laughs> I, I was saying earlier, I mean, it, it took us ages to get them both in the same room with the sword to get that photo done. I mean, it was... Um, you, can tell, you can tell David Carter's not happy by, <laughs> by the sneer on his the face. The snarl. <laughs> well, that kind of reflects the outcome, doesn't it? Because, I mean, we've all had whispers for a few months now that have been sort of growing from... We've heard them from uh, people in union, civil servants in Ofsted about a turf war coming to a head over recent months. Um, I mean, I'll say without spoiling the ending, let's spoil the ending. Who, who wins this turf war? What's actually, <laughs> what's actually happened here? Well, close followers of our, our news on the website will have already read the ending because because basically David Carter's had to back down, yep. as you reported. He's, yep. Last week. He's yeah. had to back out of, of running school inspections. Yeah. Or visit. Yeah. I, I mean, the one thing I find interesting about that, Amanda Spielman, new chief inspector, been there for just over a year, She's won a pretty significant um, battle here. She, she just stood firm and said, "You know, we do what Ofsted does. Up to you what you want to do, but we think it's you know, causing problems. We're not changing." I think for a few years now, people have underestimated Amanda Spillman. Yeah. Uh, you know, or through Ofcom and Ofsted, I think people are learning not to. Well, I wonder if DFE also underestimated her, and I she'll think be so too. bigger yeah. voices. Uh, Sir Michael She's got a lot of wins on her CV. Yeah, looks like money was. Um, was a factor as well, though, doesn't it? From from what we know, from what's been reported in Ofsted board minutes, that that, DF, that the DFE said that it's you know it's a it's a case of um, how did they phrase it? it? Wasn't saying it was a waste of money, but saying uh, making sure making sure they had value for money. That's right. Which translators they're worrying that they're they're wasting money, and I guess that's going to become a, a bigger thing because you know where they're going to fund them um, if they do job tuition fees where, where they're going to fund that from another story we've already raised well absolutely absolutely more to come on that no doubt yeah. um the other story in the magazine i wanted to pick out and it's actually quite a um I say depressing in a way <laughs> i mean pr- 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 pretty somber um yeah. this week see yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> full of laughs and joy <laughs> um prison schools. I mean, Helen, talk us through this one. Yeah, so um, this is a, a feature that's um, been written by an anonymous teacher who has um, spent many years working in prison schools um, and she's actually looking at the fact that this is sort of the end of the line for many students um, who might have been excluded from their previous school, who've gone through these different stages and the, the final step for them is to, to be in this prison school mm. and what we're doing with exclusion and um, the steps we're taking with these students further down the line isn't clearly working because they're still on the same trajectory that they have been before and that we need to look perhaps differently at at how we are um, working with these students. Yeah, earlier in that that pipeline. I saw actually this afternoon, I think, um, Robert Halfen, who's the chair of the Education Select Committee, Mm. actually tweeted this article and Mm. said, really important issue. Yeah. And had a, he had a stat that 60% of people in prison had been excluded from school mm. and they're now doing this big inquiry at the select committee about alternative provision and, and things like this. Yeah. Well, and she's saying, um, or he or she, um, uh, don't actually know whether it's a, a man or a woman, um, but they um, have now uh, moved on to work in a PRU rather than working in prison schools because they want to be able to um, fix the problem further down the line um, and and try to do what they can to um, to try and stop these these um, pupils uh, ending up in the prison school mm. um, and a lot of it um, they're saying is is just um, comes from showing them that that you care about them actually because that's something that they haven't necessarily had um, and they may be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder 
from the crimes that they've been involved in. Not to say that committing crimes is, is not their fault sure. necessarily, but that there are all kinds of different factors that come into play. And that once a, a student is, is on this kind of path, it can be very difficult for them to veer off of it by themselves without the support. So I find actually quite moving that you mentioned about how you know, these kids are quite vulnerable. Mm. I mean, they talk about how using sort of primary school pedagogy to kind of get through to them sometimes mm -hmm. and showing how you care and using a simple reward system, which I'd have thought, you know, was it a little passport and you get coupons yeah. and at the end you get a meal or something? Yeah. You'd have thought hardened criminals are never going to buy that. Maybe that was the most effective way to get through to some of these Yeah, kids. and I, I think it's, you know, um, showing them that you're not going to be pushed away. Uh, even if they're trying to push you away. Um, and it's it's very difficult to do, obviously. It takes a certain type of person to do this type of work. Um, but it is incredibly important. Yeah. I think that key word was kids, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, ultimately. Yeah. These are know, still these children. These are still children. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, it's sometimes easy to forget that, I think. Yeah. Actually, and there are successes here. I mean, he, I mean, the author does say, you know, some of the students they've worked with have become what, professional mechanics. Mm -hmm worked for charities, one's even a professional heavyweight boxer. So e even at that last desperate point in the system, in a prison school, yeah. you know, good teachers can really make a difference. Yeah, it's never, it's never too late. You know, I think that's, that's the message. So it, it's sobering, but it's not, I wouldn't say depressing. It's, it's a really important read. Absolutely. Yeah, it is important. Well. I agree. Great. Okay. Well, shall we wrap things up there? Um, thanks, everybody. Um, good as always. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>